Well, again, thank you for being here today. I'm Lee Pastor Matt Blair, and thank you so much for taking the time to... <laughs> Thanks for that one-off applause there. I appreciate that. No, so glad that you're here today. We're, we're in the middle of a series called Aftermath, and we are talking about the historical event called the resurrection of Jesus and how that has that event has been able to change our lives even some 2,000 years removed from that event. And so we're really excited that you're here today. This is the conclusion. We're wrapping this series up. And so uh, be sharing with you today what I feel like God's asking us to commit to today. Now, if you haven't been here, you can always watch the services online at solacechurch.com. Last week, though, we took a break from the Aftermath series felt like God was just leading me to share with you about some things that are going on in our world today. And so I shared this, the message basically called, How Is It Not Obvious? And that message has been watched like four or five times more. In the first week, it's been watched four or, time, four or five times more than other messages that I've ever preached. And so thank you for being tuned into that. It's obvious that that's a concern in our society and our world, and I thank you for that. And all the Comments and compliments, I appreciate that, although that's not why we preach, of course. But what I really, really loved is that there were several people who were willing to engage in some conversation with me about how they disagreed with the message. And I, I just want you guys to know, Solace Church, uh, we welcome healthy dialogue and debate. We are open to having the conversations with people who would disagree with the conclusions uh, of Scripture. And so um, I even had an, an individual post. Uh, they watched it from Mississippi. And they posted uh, that they disagree with the message and disagree with the conclusions. And I welcome that. I invited this, this individual to continue to dialogue. And I'm going to continue to have a conversation. I believe that this individual is transgendered. And I love the fact that someone who uh, is in that very environment, that very conversation, is willing to engage in conversations with us. I welcome that. I love the opportunity to do that. And hear me, when we get the opportunity to speak into those situations, we want to we, we invite that and we want to do so in love and with great respect and, and with great humility because we are trying to handle the Word of God. And so just pray for us as we consider doing that. It's an incredible opportunity and responsibility on our plate to do that. So I took a break last week from the Aftermath series. I told you the first week of the Aftermath series, if you were here, that if you were from the kind of the charismatic Assembly of God background, that I was going to share with you one week about the power of the Holy Spirit because that's a part of the aftermath of the resurrection. Well, I was planning on doing that last week. So I didn't get to cover that material. And I'm truly sorry for that. So I know that many of you who come from the charismatic or assembly background, you're very disappointed. But there are some Baptists in the room who are going, so you're welcome. My goal is to cover that ground later on, hopefully this year, and I will get to it. We're not going to leave it out. It's a really important conversation. But let's talk today about the conclusion of the, the, the aftermath of the resurrection. So far in this series, we've talked about things that can be true about us. We've said that in the aftermath of the resurrection, we can live fearlessly We've talked about in the aftermath of the resurrection, Jesus is sending us out. We've talked about in the aftermath of the resurrection that we can believe. And those are all absolutely true. But in conclusion today, I want to shift the, the, the emphasis here from the idea of possibility to the idea of commitment, from the idea of, of what's possible for us to us collectively as a church making a commitment together. And so this is what I just want to say. If you're writing things down, in the aftermath of the resurrection, I will be committed now, I, don't, I know that doesn't tell you much, but let's unpack this for a moment. In the aftermath of the resurrection, I will be committed. What do I mean by that? 
I want you to consider for a moment what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. It was a, it was a full commitment. It, it was his willingness to show the full extent of his love to, to humanity. And so he was willing to give all so that we might experience the life that we get to experience. And in the aftermath of that, something very interesting happens historically in the first century. So in light of what Jesus has done for us, let's discover what happened in the first century just after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. That is that moment when he returned to be with the Father. So in the first century, and this is what I was going to cover last week, so let me just give you the cliff's notes. The Holy Spirit in in Acts chapter 2, which is promised by Jesus earlier, descends, fills the life of the believers, and they're filled with power. Jesus promised that they would receive power, and Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of of that promise. Now, on that day, Peter preaches... And about 3,000 people give their life to Christ. They, are, they believe and they are baptized and they are added to the church. What happens next is the organization or the formation of the formal church. Now, here's what I understand about our society today. And maybe some of you in the room have bought into this. There are a lot of people who say that they are against organized religion. And if they mean by that, they are against legalism or organized rituals and rules that don't apply to Christianity, I too am against that. But I'm not against organized religion. If you mean by that, meeting together collectively and having a plan, a strategic plan to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. There is nothing wrong with organized religion if that's what you mean by organized religion. The church got organized immediately after the ascension of Jesus. It's a good thing for the church to be organized. It's a good thing for the church to have a structure. It's a good thing for the church to be strategic. And that's what we see happening in the first century in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, Luke records for us that organization, that structure, and that strategic plan that begins to be carried out in the life of the first century church. So notice what takes place in Acts chapter 2 in verse number 42 through 47. This is how Luke records for, uh, uh, the, the events for us. Luke says, They devoted, keyword, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That is, they didn't have the Bible as we had it, but they had the teachings of Jesus. Jesus is no longer here to give them. He's entrusted this to the disciples, and they devote themselves to what the disciples are telling them about what Jesus said to the disciples. It's the handoff of the gospel. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, that is, to hanging out or doing life together. They did life together, and they ate together, and they prayed together. In verse number 43, we see this. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. And then, notice this verse. Focus on the, on the yellow letters. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse number 47, the conclusion, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So notice the, the yellow emphasis in the text. They devoted themselves. That They were committed to the stories of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the message of Jesus. They fully committed, committed themselves to learning it, to knowing it, and to living it out. But notice what else they did. Every day they met together in the temple courts. Let me, tell you, let me tell you the significance of that. If you don't understand first century Jerusalem, you may not understand how powerful a statement this is. In Jerusalem, the temple was the hub of all activity. It was the centerpiece and center place for social activity, obviously for spiritual activity as well. But everything revolved around the temple. Now, for a first century Jew, 
Jesus comes, he dies, he gives his life, he is resurrected, and then he ascends into heaven. For a first century Jew in Jerusalem, who would have been saved in Acts chapter 2, they would have wanted to return to the temple courts. Do you know why? Because in first century Jerusalem, a Jew who has accepted Jesus sees Jesus as the continuation of the story of God, not as an abrupt change. In other words, Jesus is the fulfillment of Judaism. It's the fulfillment of all that God had promised in what we call the Old Testament. They went right back to the place where God had met them and they wanted, they wanted to continue to meet there because they saw it as the place where God was meeting with them and Jesus was just simply the next, next piece of that. So that's where they gathered. That's where they met. Now, in Acts chapter 2, there were, there were those who did not live in Jerusalem, but they lived in other parts of the world. There were Jews who lived in other parts of the world. Here's a little bit of Jewish history. When the temple was built, Jerusalem was the centerpiece of all, of, of all activity for Israel. But Israel wasn't just confined to the, the geographical city of Jerusalem. Jews spread out. Israelites spread out beyond Jerusalem. And they, were, they, they, were, they settled in other cities. When you hear in scripture the words, the region of Galilee... It's speaking of the northern, the, the northern part of Israel, and that's where Jesus did much of his earthly ministry. We had a chance to tour northern uh, Israel or Galilee when we went over and toured Jerusalem and Israel. It's incredible. One of the things that you saw time and time again in all of these areas is they didn't have access to the temple. But in every one of these cities, they built a synagogue. A synagogue was a Jewish place of worship. The synagogue in every one of these cities was the hub of activity. It was the central building in the entire functioning city. Actually, this is a picture of one of the cities in, in, in uh, Galilee. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> but that is. This is a picture of, uh, of, of a synagogue. This is where the activity, the hub of activity would have taken place. I mean, think about this for a moment. In Jewish culture... The synagogue was the central piece. It's the centrality of the synagogue in the life of an everyday Jew. This continues in first century Christianity. They actually would have continued to meet in the temple courts and in these synagogues. But years after the formation of the church... Religious leaders in Judaism, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, actually began to persecute Christians and they kicked them out of the synagogues and kicked them out of the temples. That's why they had to begin meeting as they're meeting in Acts chapter 2. verse. They had to meet in these houses and homes and eventually in other buildings not called the synagogue because Jews, Judaism, did not accept Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecies. But Christians did. So while they longed to continue to be at the synagogue, they had to move and begin to meet at other places. Do you see that? Now, fast forward several thousand years. The church has been fully established. It's gone through the good, bad, and ugly. If you read church history, it is not a pretty picture oftentimes. But, the, but something incredible happens through the Reformation. Through the Reformation and through this incredible process of the founding of the great United States of America, um, uh, uh, Christians... Uh, left you know, oppression in, in Europe and England, and they made their way in, into the, this, what would become the United States. They began to colonize uh, in the eastern side of the United States. And you know what happened in the first generation of Americans that came over? They colonized, but one of the very first buildings that they built was the church. 
And everything in, in, in first-generation America centered around the church building. All social life and all activity was centralized around the church. Hear me. It's the centrality of the church. Now fast forward a couple of hundred years. In 20th and 21st century Christianity, the church, and I don't just mean like the building that we're in today, but I mean the, the idea of doing life together, of, of, of the priority of the community, the body of Christ, it has become marginalized. It's an option, but it's not the central piece of our lives. Do you know, one of the persons that best captured this was a guy named Rick Warren, who pastors a church um, in, in, in California. You may have heard of him before. <laughs> He's written a couple of pretty good books, Purpose Driven Life, maybe you heard of that one. But he wrote one for the church, it's called The Purpose Driven Church. And in that book, he helps pastors and church leaders understand the challenge that we're up against, that the church is up against, in helping people understand how important the first century philosophy of the centrality of the church really is. This is called the concentric circles. This is, this is his doing, and I'm sure his team of people that did this. But, but what Rick Warren captured for us is 20th, 20th and 21st century Christianity. That at one point in, in American culture, the church was the hub, and all activity went through the hub. But it's no longer the case. This is actually the reality of the world in which we live. Let me explain the circles for you for just a moment. Rick Warren identifies for us that there is this community, these people that, that, that are outside the church. And, and, and that's not new. Not everyone has always been a believer in Judaism or Christianity. There's certainly people outside of Christianity for sure. But do you know in first generation America, and we learned this from Dr. Phil Smith, who's a professor of American history at TCC. He's come to our, uh, my house to teach our 20-somethings about American history. He shared with us, and I asked him, what percent of the population in first generation America were atheists? He said it is less than 1%, some 0.005% of people were atheists. And and it reflects in their culture. But I recognize today we live in a different time. So there's this community. There are are those who who don't visit the church, who don't come and and do what you're doing today, right? And then there's the crowd, those people that, that, that attend. Maybe they've visited once. Maybe they visited twice. Maybe they've been here a couple of times or been to church a couple of times. And that may be some of you here today. Maybe this is your first time to be here. Or maybe this is your first time in church in a very, very long time. The crowd, those people who, who would say, you know, I've given the church a chance. And then there's the congregation. Jay mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, I mean, a couple of minutes ago. But the congregation are, are, would be those that the church would say that make up, you know, those who come on a fairly regular basis. The, 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 the people, you know, that we're counting each week, week in and week out. Now, Jay mentioned this. It's really, it's really amazing. Think about this. First generation America, the church is the hub. All activity goes around it. (laughs) In 21st century Christianity, you're considered a part of congregation if you attend church, if you meet together once every three or six weeks. And I recognize that that's some of us in the room. Maybe this is the first time you've been here in three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or six weeks. And maybe that's offensive to you. And if it is, I'm sorry. But I just, we're just talking about the reality of the world we live in, right? This is the, the congregation. This is the group, the third concentric circle. There are others, though, that are committed. Those are the people who, who are going to be here week in and week out. Those are the people who are, who are giving and serving and, and, and they're, they're, they're invested. And so those are the people that, you know, they're doing a lot of work and they're, they're giving themselves on a regular basis. And that's great. The church does not exist without people who are giving and serving and, and investing. It just, that's just the reality of the nature of the church. But, but, but there's the core here that I want to focus on for just another moment. 
the core, these are the ones who have returned to first century Christianity, where the church is the centerpiece of their life. That is, everything else is prioritized around the church. And I don't mean literally this building, but all things related to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. All things related to doing what Jesus called us to do. That their world is centered on that so much so that everything else gets prioritized around that. All right, now. I'm going to ask you to do something. This is going to be a bit uncomfortable. But I trust you. We're we're okay. I want to ask you for a moment to identify yourself in the concentric circles. Would you do that? And I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, there's no way I'm doing that. Because when I do that, you're going to ask me a follow-up question. I don't want the follow-up question, right? So I'm going to sit on the side. I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to put my fingers in my ear, and I'm not going to deal with it, right? Okay, I know that's how you feel right now. I recognize that because I've been sitting where you are, and some guy on stage told me to do something like this, and I was like, I ain't going there with you, right? But just for a moment, this, just, just, in, just, just humor me for a moment. Find yourself in the circle, right? You're obviously not in the community because you're here today, but, but maybe, you're, maybe you're in the crowd. Maybe this is your first time. To, maybe, maybe you're just now coming back to church. Maybe you're the one that comes once every three weeks, once every six weeks. Maybe you're the one who's serving. And maybe you are the one that's the core. Okay, so, so identify yourself in that list for just a second. All right, now, here's that question you didn't want. What would it take for you to move closer to the core? Do you know why I want you to move closer to the core? It's not because this is some strategic plan or process that we've come up with. We're not checking off points. I want us as a church to move to the core because I believe it best represents what took place just after the the ascension of Jesus. I believe that's what the church looked like. They did life together. It was central in their life. And I want our church to reflect as much as we can first century Christianity. Do you know why? Because the end of the story Luke records for us is that the church grew in stature and favor and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. I want that to us to be us. I want that to be a reflection of solace church. And if you're moving to the core, the church continues to grow in influence and impact and continues to take the gospel to the ends of the the earth. I want Solace Church to look like that. Would you come with us? Would you take the step to return to first century Christianity, even to first generation American Christianity? So, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at SolaceChurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.